Well, church family, if you hadn't guessed it already, I'm preaching about holiness this morning. But I think that shouldn't come as a surprise, um, given the way that the Lord has worked through song and prayer. So we're going through the Gospel of Luke as a church family. Why am I preaching about holiness? Um, Jesus has been talking to us and will continue to uh, talk about blessed are those who hear and obey God's word. And we're turning from one year into another year, and that always makes us think about our old lives and our new life in Christ. And just as Pastor Gina and I prayed, we sensed that here would be a good stopping point or a good point to press pause, and that the Lord would have us consider briefly what holiness is, what it is that we're called to as believers in Christ. So... I'm going to read, um, this is going to be a different sermon than normal in that normally we have one text, and it's called a textual sermon. This is going to be topical. So I'm going to range here and there from Old Testament to New Testament and um, use a multitude of scriptures, but I'm going to read two before I preach uh, that will form kind of a foundation for what the Lord's going to say to us this morning. So those two are going to come from Romans 6, if you want to turn there, and uh Somebody can call out a page number, Romans chapter 6. Okay, and I'm going to, thanks chat, 1751, the chapter's called Dead to Sin, Alive in Christ. And I'm just going to read uh, four verses or so, starting at verse 20, where Paul says, When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord Paul uses the word slaves, and that's really interesting because we've come to know ourselves as children of God, right? And so here he says slaves. Well, a slave is what? It's somebody that's under the control of. And so he's saying you used to be under the control of sin. It controlled you. But now you're under God's control. So he talks about the benefits of one and the benefits of the other. Well, the next text we're going to read is uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Well, Paul's writing to the new Christians in Ephesus. And he's going to give a fairly lengthy description of many aspects of old lives before Christ and new lives in Christ. Not a complete list, just a list of many things that are involved in both sides of the equation. So Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17. What page is that, Ryan? Oh, you got your own Bible. 1818? Okay, 
So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you no longer live as the Gentiles, that's the unbelievers, do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do 
with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That's why it said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are foolish. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That was a good sermon in and of itself, wasn't it? I could just stop there. Um, so, I'm just about to roll from year six into year seven of pastoring Gold Avenue Church. And in my six years of pastoring here so far, I've had hundreds and hundreds of conversations with you, with others who've been here, with neighbors. And so many of those conversations take the form of, Pastor Dave, can I talk to you about something? And that something is usually something that's wrong or something that hurts or something that's difficult. Some something. There's something going on. I need the Lord. I need help. I need counsel. But you know what? Underneath all the somethings, when you come and when you talk to me or you come and you talk to Pastor Gina, there's a common denominator. The denominator is things, something's wrong, something's off, and I want it to be made better. I want it to be made right. I want it to be made whole. And there's a search underneath all of it for joy. Something feels like it's taking joy away or it's stealing happiness. Relationships are awry. And there's a search for joy. We all want to be happy. We want to be joyful. We want to experience joy. And that is so good, so natural, so a part of the way God's wired us, so much so that the framers or the writers of the United States Constitution embedded in that Constitution that people living in this country were guaranteed the rights to what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Like, you have the right to be alive. That's a pretty essential uh, thing to being in this country. L- life, liberty, freedom. And then this pursuit of happiness. Right alongside life and liberty. We all want to be happy. We want joy. And when things aren't joyful or when they're not happy, we're off and we're searching. And we search all over until we find it. Yeah? So hundreds of conversations, maybe thousands of encounters, where you're looking, I'm looking, we're looking for things to be made right, and we're looking for joy. And here's the thing I wanted to tell you about that. That in six years of pastoring, I can count on this hand the amount of people that have come to me and said, Pastor Dave, 
Would you please help me be holy? Pastor Dave, I'm hungry to be holy. Nobody's coming and saying that to me. Actually, not nobody. Literally less than one hand. But, but here's the thing I want us to hear. I think there's a disconnect. I think we've missed something. I think we're not hearing Jesus. Or something's blocking us from hearing God. Because we want joy and we want happiness, but there's not profound hunger for holiness. And if we would listen to Jesus again this morning and listen to him at a deeper level, he would say to us that joy is found in holiness and that holiness brings joy. So let's just recount a few of the things that he says to us before we backtrack and ask ourselves about holiness and about joy. Jesus says, and actually this starts way back in the Old Testament, Psalm 1, the entrance to the book of prayer for God's people starts with the words, Blessed, and we heard last week that blessed means, oh, the deep, deep happiness of, oh, the deep, deep joy. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the seat of sinners or sit with the mockers, but whose delight is in the law, the Torah, the way of the Lord. And on that way, he or she meditates and marinates day and night. That one is like a tree planted by a stream of living water. It yields its fruit in season. Whatever it does prospers. There's bounty. There's blessing. There's joy, says the Scripture, for the one who meditates and marinates and hungers for God's way, for holiness. Jesus said to us last week, no, not blessed is the mother who gave me birth. Blessed, oh, the deep, deep happiness of those who hear and obey God's word. Jesus says earlier, Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, oh, the deep, deep happiness, blessed, are those who hunger and who thirst for righteousness in their lives. For they are the ones who are going to be filled Remember those words in um, John 15, right before Jesus departs the night of his arrest, he says to his disciples, he, he speaks to them for a while, and then he says, I've told you these things so that what? So that my joy, my joy may be in you, and your joy can be complete, full, right? You're familiar with those words? Okay, what comes right before those? Anybody know? Jesus says, obey my commands and you'll remain in my love just as I've obeyed my Father's commands and I remain in his love. I've told you these things about obeying my commands and remaining in my love so that my joy, the joy that I have, could be in you. I'm a man of joy. They know Jesus is a man of joy so that my joy can be in you and your joy can be complete. Holiness and joy. And so let's bring them together this morning. Let's do two things. Let's ask very simply, what is holiness? What is it? And why does it bring such deep joy? And before we do that, I want to hit T and say this. I might be projecting because of my own experience, 
But I think that the moment that we start to talk about holiness, many of us on the inside just shrivel a little bit. We kind of, kind of back up. Because oh, we know what unholiness exists in our lives. We know how far we are from God's ideal. And it produces within us this certain, uh, I can't attain. I know he calls us to that, but God's perfect. And I mean, who here, if I asked for a show of hands, and I'm actually, why don't I do it? Who would say to me, I'm holy? Could, could you put up a hand if you would say, I'm holy? seven or eight of you would say that with a smile. Scott, um, welcome back. Can I call on you to tell me why you're holy? Why would you say you're holy? You've been purified by the love of Jesus. Yeah. If you don't have a if you got your own Bible here, I want to invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14. And if you don't have your own Bible here, you can still turn to it, but I want you when you get home to circle this verse and underline it and make big stars beside it. Okay? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14. Thanks, Chet. The writer of Hebrews is talking about Jesus as our high priest and what he's accomplished for us. Chapter 10, verse 14, and the writer writes this. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You cannot start to think about or pursue holiness, righteousness, from anywhere else but this, this spot right here. You need to know that when you relate to God, when you pray to Him, when you ask Him, when you seek holiness, that He looks on you through His Son Jesus and that you're already holy. That holiness, here's where we're going to start, holiness is a gift and a calling for every Christian. God gifts to us His holiness and then calls us to live into it, to become what He's given us. Anything else will end in pressure, will end in striving, will end in bitterness, will end in failure, will not lead to joyful pursuit of holiness that will lead to joy. You've got to start here. So what is holiness? When you um, got your worship folders this morning, there was an insert in there, would you pull that out? That inserts the text that we read from Ephesians. 
And you remember that I said to you, Paulus, all these descriptions of the old life and many descriptions of what new life in Jesus looks like. And you could add more to each side. But here's what I want to ask and point out. What holds or defines each of those lists? What holds them together or defines them? What's central to them? And here's what Paul says. That central to life before Christ are the words, and it's at the top of your sheet, separated from the life of God. Separated from the life of God. Have you ever stopped to ponder what that means? Because he doesn't say separated from God. That's what we usually talk about. He says separated from the life of God. God is a being. God is a personal being. God has a life. God is in relationship. God is drawing us into relationship. And Paul says, before Christ, you were separated from, you did not experience God's life. And then what's central to after we come into Christ are the words on the other side of the column at the top of the page, created to be like God. Like God. In true righteousness and holiness. So you were separate. But now you're connected. Now you have the opportunity to share in. Well, Who can conceive of what it's like to relate to a perfect being? Let's just take this off the level of God for one moment, and we'll use Ryan as an example, and we'll just pretend that Ryan's perfect. Okay, Kate? Ryan's perfect. So, so what this means, uh, what does that mean? Because perfect just sounds abstract. Well, what that might mean for me if I'm in a relationship with Ryan is that um, when I'm with Ryan, I can count on feeling and being perfectly loved. Ryan is all love toward me all the time. Not only is, is that true of Ryan, but Ryan is fullness of joy. In his being, there's nothing that blocks joy There's joy in his presence. Being with Ryan brings me joy. He loves me. He brings joy. And Ryan only ever says things that are true. So I can count that everything that comes from his lips is dependable, is trustworthy. What's it like to be in a relationship with a person who loves you completely and entirely, without and before you gave anything to them, who brings fullness of joy, who you can count on being completely true and faithful and just, and who emanates peace, overflowing peace. What's that like? We don't know what that's like, do we? Sorry, Ryan. But humanly speaking, we don't know what that's like. To be around a person that's like that, do we? We don't know what that's like. it's like to experience those things to that measure or even close in our human relationships. 
And so in some ways, when we start to think about relating to God, knowing God, being in relationship with God, we actually need to start from saying that we don't know. We need to admit we don't know what we don't know. In some ways, we're like little children. You know, did you all have the experience of um, growing out of being a child and coming through your teen and into your adult years and starting to realize, wow, mom and dad or teachers were like right about a lot of things. Um, and there was just so much that I didn't know. Have you ever had that experience? Like, like kind of dawning on you that there were these people uh, above you that were telling you things, and you just kind of didn't listen, but how could you know? You didn't know what you didn't know. You were a little kid. You thought you knew everything, right? In some ways, when we start to relate to God, we don't know what we don't know about being in relationship with God receiving from him what's it like to be in a relationship with a perfect love perfect joy fullness of peace perfect justice faithfulness god gifted holiness not just so that he could call us pure but so that that was the starting point the door opening the gate so that he could welcome us to share in his life to know and experience Him for all that He is. And holiness is sharing in God's life. That's why Paul says, created to be like God. Unholiness, sin, blocks the experience of God's life. You cannot experience God in all of His perfection and beauty and joy when sin's in the way. Maybe that sounds abstract. Let me, let me try um, an, an illustration I was playing with this week. Okay? Um, the scripture talks a lot about water and the water of life. And so um, when we talk about God having a life, maybe we could use the image of water to represent that life. And I was thinking that maybe I'd invite you to come on a little journey with me. So, We're going to pretend, would you just pretend with me, that we are um, up in the mountains somewhere, maybe in Colorado, and we're going to go um, on a, a, we're going to go into a a river, okay? And so this river, this first river, is going to be not God's, not the river of God's life, but it's going to be the river of our life, maybe before God, maybe after we come into Christ, but there's still a lot of sin in our hearts and in our lives. And so here's how we're getting into the river. We're going to pretend, we're going to pretend we're up on the riverbank. And we're stepping into the river. We're not going kayaking or canoeing or anything like that. We're actually just going to wade into the river, and we're going to be carried by the current downstream, okay? So just put on a life jacket for a second. In your mind's eye, put on a life jacket and, and, um, and get ready because the current's, the current's rushing here. And actually, you can't see anything. It's really bubbled up, and it's a little bit dirty, but we're getting in anyways because that's kind of what life's like. And life carries you along, and so this river's going to carry us along. And so here we go. We're going down to the river. We've got a life jacket on. We're going down in, and the water starts to carry us, and the water's carrying us, and all of a sudden, poof! I hit a rock. I didn't see beneath the surface, and that was jagged, and it cut me. Oh, what was that? Oh. That rock was, was actually my own critical spirit. My own judgment of others. 
biting me because with the measure I used, it'll be measured against me. And then uh, I keep floating, but I'm, now I'm a little bit limp and I'm um, floating along and all of a sudden the water's up to here, but all of a sudden, thwack, I hit a tree trunk underneath the water that I didn't see. What was that tree trunk? It was bitterness that started to form in my spirit when I got angry, but I didn't forgive right away. I wasn't willing to release it. And so it caught me in the midsection. And so here I am, and I'm floating along in that river, and, um, and I still can't see stuff, and I'm starting to get a little bit weak, and, and all of a sudden, here comes this, this tributary flowing in, and it, and it catches me, and, it, and it's starting to spin me around, and it's spinning me around, and, and I'm kind of losing control, and whoa, what is that? That's my anger. That's my undealt with anger. And it's overpowering me. And then I, I just managed to kind of break free and not get sucked under. And I, and I run into a, a, a big conglomeration of branches and trees. And I, and I get stuck. I get stuck there. And what's that? It's my lust. It's my envy. It's my greed it's my you name it this river's just beating me up and it's no fun to be in this river and you know what there's other people in this river and, and some of them are kicking me underneath the surface some of them are are, are cutting me and I'm, I'm taking an infection because the dirt and the water it's getting into me. Can't see anything. It's swirly. Every once in a while, I kind of get sucked under the water. It's like I'm getting sucked under, like despair, kind of taking over me. That's my unbelief. This river, it's tumultuous. It's not safe. It hurts to be in this river. I hurt to be in this river. Okay, you get the picture. What if, what if I was in a different river? What if I was in a river that didn't have those rocks and those branches and those other things that I was getting stuck on and tributaries rushing in? What if, what if I was in a river that was crystal clear, that was pure, where I could see what was in it? And that carried me along. But I was safe. And I didn't need to worry about getting hurt and running into things and hurting others and infection and getting sucked under. What if I was in that kind of a river? That's, that's God's life. And Jesus says to us, I tell you the truth, anyone who comes to me in faith, out of his inner being, her inner being will flow rivers of living water. Water that brings life. Water that's alive. Not water that brings death. And so, maybe here's where the analogy breaks down. Because I don't think it's the case that we're just in one river or in another river. 
actually coming back to the Hebrews text. We've been made holy and we're being made holy. So maybe it's the case that we're in this river that produces death and this new river comes in and offers to bring cleansing and yet it doesn't do it automatically. There has to be cooperation on our part. There has to be a seeking out the streams of living water. There has to be a a welcoming of the water that brings life. There has to be a hungering and a thirsting to have the objects that break down removed, the branches. There needs to be permission. There needs to be asking. There needs to be a lot on our part that would cooperate with the purifying work of God. You know... um, it happens about once a day at, around our house that one of our children breaks down into and um, on my in my better moments I'll kneel down in front of them and I'll say to them do you ever see mommy or daddy doing that and I can tell you honestly the answer is no we, we've got other stuff, but it's not that. We don't, we, we don't. And so then, I, then I'll say, well, tell me how you feel when you do that. Does that help you feel better? No, no. Well, what I'm trying to do is invite the child into dad's life, dad's experience of life. I say to my child, copy me. Do what mom and I do. It'll make you a lot happier. And um, when they do, when they share in or experience our life as we lead them, there's joy. But it takes a welcoming of those words. And actually, more than a welcoming, there needs to be a hungering and a thirsting to receive them because they've got to get over an old nature that's standing in the way. And so that kind of leads us back to Jesus' words about, oh, the deep, deep delight, or blessed is the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Who says to themselves, oh God, I am so bereft of any ability to make my heart pure like yours. I cannot produce the love that you have. I cannot come up with the attitude toward other people that you have. But you can, oh God. You can change my heart. You can make it so I'm not just acting the way that you call me to, but so that it naturally flows from my heart because my heart is changed. God, I'm hungry to be righteous. I'm hungry to be holy. And Jesus speaks these words in a context, in a culture where hungry don't mean 15 minutes late for lunch. They mean I haven't eaten in two or three days. I'm famished. And do we know what it is to be famished for being like God? Do we know how much we're missing of His life And the Lord invites us this morning to hunger and to thirst 
for his life in us. Because holiness is being like God. And in the being of God is joy. There are so many reasons to hunger and thirst for holiness. And next week, we're going to talk about another one. Put sin to death or it'll put you to death. Okay? And there's another one woven throughout the scriptures. That the fear of the Lord or the reverence leads to a desire to be holy and to be like him. Those aren't what we're talking about this morning. This morning, we're talking about a father who loves his children and wants them to experience life as he meant it to be in the beginning, life as he's making it to be in the new creation, and life as he would give it now, but it would require our hungering and our thirsting to be like him. It would not happen just automatically. And so I'd just like to end by taking us into prayer and asking the Lord to give us hunger and thirst for the joy that comes from being made pure in all ways like him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your voice to us is not a voice of accusation. It's not a voice of condemnation. You've done away with sin. You've silenced the accuser. Your invitation now is that we would come and receive abundant life that you've purchased for us. And we hear you say that abundant full life is your life. And we acknowledge that we need in so many ways to be made like you. And so we pray, come Lord to cleanse, come to purify, come to refine, come to give true hunger and thirst for holiness for righteousness, for your life. Lord, search our hearts in the silence and hear our response as we sing.